1: can you see it? Did you know
2: this? but the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a
1: bank pass for Besser. In with a shot of scores! Moments notice. Adam's Lee.
0: You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes the reporter here. Like I don't I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
2: Just wave the guy and get Dempko involved. I wanted him in and downtown Wow. We should do a radio show to <laughs> Right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
0: Pearl Steels cutting in! Shoots, scores! <laughs> Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, all one word, HockeySeason. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is on social media. Go give them a follow. TikTok. Check out TikTok. TikTok. TikTok as well. You're right. I got to keep remembering... All the youths are on the TikTok. Yeah, now. you and your yeah, you and your Addison. You keep Ray saying Addison Ray. Your... I keep telling you, I don't even know who that is. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
2: check the history on that TikTok search. I'll I tell don't you what. know who
0: Addison Ray is, and it's concerning me that you do. All right, okay. You Zephyr know. Epic. Best part about Zephyr Epic: they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over fifty
2: dollars. From from former home of the Canucks development camp, Shawnigan Lake. If you remember that? A when ha- did they go there? handful of years ago, when Brock Besser was there? That no. Demko was there? Really? Uh, Shaunigan Lake down on the uh, Vancouver Island. Yeah, from Shaunigan Lake, and they got. I know they got mailboxes there in Shaunigan Lake. So don't try and tell me the private dwelling people. <laughs> Shaunigan Lake, nice little spot. They got mailboxes there from Shaunigan Lake to Shaunavan, Saskatchewan, Ooh. which home of Colin. Home of Colin. Sorry to steal your thunder. Not even the biggest hockey player from Shaunavan as well. Really? No, not even close. Cole, you could say. Listen, Cole is maybe he's probably at the toes of this hockey player. Okay. Haley Wickenheiser, home of Haley oh, Wickenheiser. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'll tell you a lot,
0: lot. Lot more people know who Haley Wickenheiser is than
2: Cole is. Absolutely. No offense to Cole. Lynn. Here's the thing about Shaunavon, though. They call it the Oasis of the Prairies Quads. The Oasis of the Prairies, Shaunavon, Saskatchewan, It's down in the uh, the southwest. Of Saskatchewan, but people don't just call it that. This is the other nickname for the town. Boomtown. 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 And do you have a reason for that? Did you look it up? Uh no, but they do have, and this is this has been going on for over a hundred years now. The Boomtown Days Rodeo in oh, Shaunavon, wow. Saskatchewan. And, since, and what happens there? Since nineteen fourteen, the Boomtown Days Rodeo. It's a little preparation. It's on the circuit. Um for oh I'm blanking on this right now. Uh what's the Calgary, the mass the Calgary, Calgary Stampede? Stampede. Okay. Oh yeah, well gosh. I was thinking there was a name for it. Uh the Calgary Stampede, this is like on the tour to kind of set them up for the Calgary Stampede down in wow. Shonovan, Saskatchewan, the Boomtown Days Rodeo. And one radio station down there in Shaunavan. The Eagle, ninety four point one FM. <laughs> okay. That's all I got. Tell you what,
0: it's no porcupine playing Saskatchewan.
2: Home of all, another hockey player, Callan Lind as well. Yeah, okay. Keep an eye on him. He plays with our guest that we have on today's show, actually, as well, in Red Deer. Callan Lind. Uh, he's not the guest. Arsteep Baines, Canucks prospect, who we're really, really excited to see what he does. Uh, development camp and out there in Abbots for this year. So he's going to have 30 people. In The rank cheering for him, He's maybe gonna, more, maybe more. His grandma's going to be screaming on the couch <laughs> as she's watching him online. But uh, our Steve Bain's going to join us later on the show. Get to your uh DoorDash here, yeah. We're
0: also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong use promo code CONVO DD, capital C, capital D's, all one word CONVO DD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, wearing a Canucks convo polo shirt with our logo that actually never hit the air because I cut my hair. That rhymed,
2: Chris Whoa. Faber. And you know what? You haven't said anything about my brand new shoes that I've been wearing today that I just got. Oh, wow. Well, don't crease them. You, well, you I don't get, know. What, you can't
0: crease them. I don't know what I'm doing. These oh are. my gosh, uh,
2: they're nice shoes. I. When did you get those? They got uh, got came in the mail yesterday. You creased them. I don't know. Look what at that the crease. Means. You can't. You can't bend your toes. I can't bend
0: my no, toes. No, you in gotta shoes. you gotta walk flat. What are you talking? I'll teach about? you.
2: I'll teach you. No, they're they're gonna be all right. Okay, just don't. These don't are. Uh, bend I'm not a big foot. high top guy. So uh, yeah, do you know these what are, those are? Um, they look like uh, the the shoes that Michael Jordan wears. The Jordan, yeah, they're Jordan
0: ones. Yeah, how do you not know that?
2: I don't and know. You bought them. I don't think they're like Jordan ones, but no, they, I uh, think they're
0: like Air Force ones. Actually, yeah. yeah. I'm
2: Sorry, those are Air Force. They're ones. high top, though. they're comfortable.
0: I like the ankle support. Your uh, your pant leg was covering where the Jordan logo would be, so I wasn't sure. No, I
2: don't know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Those are those are just Air Force ones. Yeah, those are nice
2: shoes, though. They're comfortable. They were yeah. They got very them, nice. Paid a paid a pretty penny for them. I spent uh, all that poker money that I talked about in the last there you show. Go. Spent all of it quicker than I got it. Literally, I spent it within like after after like. Winning that money. It took me seven and a half hours to win the money. I spent more than I won within like two and a half hours of uh of getting home that night. I bought a laptop which is coming uh whew, today. Today's Friday as we're recording this. So we gotta get uh you know, we always get the the, the tweets. Don't rush favor, don't rush I might be rushing a little bit here. I got my I the Amazon guy here. As soon as he delivers it, I'm gone. <laughs> You're so gone. You might be finishing this episode by yourself or something today. But
0: you have a little announcement to make. You will, Let's do that before we get to okay. anything about the Canucks.
2: Sure. Yeah. This is. A, I don't know what uh, bittersweet is the right word, but um, sweet. it's sweet. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, after being with Sportsnet for, I think, a couple, almost a couple years, it's been about like maybe more. I don't know. The pandemic threw me up. I've either been there for two and a half years or I've been there for one and a half years. I think it's one and a half. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be leaving uh, Sportsnet. I put in my two weeks notice uh, to – leave Sportsnet 650. Uh, I think my last day will be like on the the 17th or the 18th of June uh, probably doing uh, doing a Seas game, something I've been doing a lot of and uh, we're going to still have the show, I believe. (laughs) I still need to get confirmation on that if we're going to do the show a couple more times, but the show is going to be over uh, after I leave Sportsnet as well. That'll be uh, not going on in the summertime anymore. The hoping to get morning. back in the season though. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the fall. We'll circle back to uh, to them. But yeah, I'm going to be leaving uh, leaving Sportsnet 650. No longer producing or uh, filling in hosting any of that. So, which I'm makes, super excited about because well, that
0: means that uh, our work schedule is going to line up a little bit better. Yes, going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and we already got to it. Like we announced more. On the Patreon, I'm sure people saw it on Twitter already, but patreon.com slash Canucks Convo, five and ten dollars tier. Yeah, a lot of people heard that. Five and ten dollars tier. Uh, gets you all the bonus content, including that episode we did of Faber and Quads Shoot the Bleep, where we just talk non-hockey stuff. So the first ten minutes of the show is basically extended. So if you like that kind of stuff, patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. We talked about it more. We talked about the future of the show, which we're hoping to announce soon. We're not really sure I when think, we're gonna do it. Well, if we're being honest, we you and I went out and uh don't tell people what it's based on, but we did another video similar, not dissimilar well, yeah, to the, the Castle Fun Park video we did with Harman when we announced Harman was joining the show. I get an idea in my head and we go
2: film it i got a text from my girlfriend she's like how'd it go how'd uh, how'd the recording go and i was like pretty good i think it went really good um then i thought back to the day where we did that recording with harm that video which you can still see i believe up on the uh, canucks combo account and i remember finishing that and being so happy and being like man we nailed it we nailed every scene <laughs> we nailed every line everything's going to come together nice and then i edit it and i'm like wow this is horrible this is like like I was thinking it was actually like a well-put-together video. It ends up being a comedy for how bad it was. Uh, I don't know if this one's going to be the same, but we'll see. But we've got an announcement video coming uh, pretty soon here, and that'll come with the full announcement of what uh, what the future is and what uh, I'll be doing with a lot more of my time after leaving Sportsnet. Yeah. We'll so leave it at that. You can listen to Patreon if you want to uh, hear everything right there now.
0: There you go. <laughs> We're very excited. Ten-minute mark is approaching, so it's time for us to talk Canucks. Chris, story of the day. What do you think it is? Because I'm a little torn. I got a few things written on the outline here that you actually prepared. Throwback to the Sportsnet show. We've got a couple things because we've talked a lot about the Vancouver Canucks trading down from 15th overall in this draft, Chris, in order to pick up more picks, get more assets in general. But something interesting today that was discussed on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet came down the pipeline today that Juraj Slavkovski, who's supposed to go second overall in this draft, projected to go second overall, ranked first among European skaters by NHL Central Scouting. It's unreal.
2: He's so good.
0: Six foot four, left winger, uh, discussed, and this is from Slavkovski himself, discussed two teams... That asked him if he could play center. Now, he said there were more than a few, but the ones he could remember off the top of his head were New Jersey, who that checks out. They have the second overall pick. And the Vancouver Canucks, who have the 15th overall pick. So, of course, this set Twitter ablaze. We wrote about it at Canucks Army. But I reached out to a league executive, similar to how I did with the JT Miller thing, trying to get a gauge on uh, the trade market for Miller and that sort of thing. The response I got, because I texted him and basically just said like, hey, is it normal for a team that's drafting in the middle of the first round to interview a second overall pick? Especially asking if he can play center, because obviously the Canucks need a center, right? It's best player available. It's also maybe you fill a positional need, right? This is what I got back. Yes, just in case you trade up. You usually do quick meetings with the top 20 or so, and then some guys you think will be in the mix around the time of your second or third selection. Meaning with a number two projection doesn't necessarily mean they're trading up, for that pick, it certainly could be that, but it could also be just normal due diligence. I kind of go to the second part of that, but it's also interesting that Slavkovsky, when he was asked which teams asked him if he could play center, those are the two teams he picks out. Something well, tells about that. those are the two that. teams
2: that uh, that Merritt could remember too.
0: No, those are the two teams that Slavkovsky could remember. They did an interview with him. Right, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't just Merrick forgetting what Slavkovsky said. Slavkovsky said New Jersey and Vancouver were the two teams that he could remember. Okay, The fact that Vancouver stood out to him, I don't want to speculate too much, of course, because at the end of the day, I don't think it's likely that this guy's me to Vancouver, that they're going to trade up for the second overall pick. That interview must have been a bit of a longer one. Would you not agree that if that's one that sticks out to him, it must have been a bit of a longer interview than normally you would have with a second overall pick. Again, that's speculation on my part.
2: Yeah, I mean, potentially, uh, maybe they, maybe he just enjoyed that interview, and there was one of the things that you know he kept a good memory of. So that's good to hear. And I, I think that knowing that that pick was sort of in play before, uh, before the, before they actually won, before the Devils didn't like completely win, but when they moved up in the draft lottery, like that pick was kind of in play. To think that could still be in play at the second overall. I mean, the door wouldn't be completely shut, I don't think. I think the Canucks have the right type of uh, package to put together to move up from 15 to 2. I I think they do. Like, they do have a right package. JT Miller is a player you can throw in the mix there and, you know, throw some pieces from either side to get that deal done. Like, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility, I don't think.
0: Another thing, and again, I mentioned this in the article that I wrote for CanucksArmy.com about this. Not only have the Devils been linked to JT Miller in the past – Their general manager, Tom Fitzgerald, has put together a list of players and assets around the league for each team, or for multiple teams, that his club would be willing to move the second overall pick for. If the Canucks are on that list, Chris, or among the teams on oh, that dude, list.
2: For a second, I thought this was like public and I just didn't know about this. This would have been wild if like what he would have oh, accepted. Oh, if, if he threw it
0: out there. He yeah, he's like, like, so
2: any team that wants to get the second, this is what you have to give to me. No, he just no, puts no. Out a list. He,
0: he's made team specific lists and it's internal. It's not, oh, they're not sharing it, I don't think, with teams just yet. Maybe they have. That's not, that's not public knowledge. Uh, what is public knowledge is that this list does exist and that Tom Fitzgerald, general manager of the Devils, has made the list. Um, with multiple teams and what they would be willing to get from those teams in order to move the second overall pick. And my point here, Chris, is that if the Canucks are on that list at all, and we don't know that they are, but you have to assume they are, Miller's name is there yeah. almost for sure.
2: No, I, I can't see it not being there at all. Like that's that's absolutely for sure so uh, that it'll be there.
0: An hour ago I couldn't spell this guy's name. Can you tell us a little bit about Slavkovski? And we don't want to spend too much time on this because obviously Well yeah. not obviously, but he's likely not gonna be a Canuck. What makes him so good? Because I looked at the point totals yeah. in the Liga, uh the top finished league. Not great. I think ten points in thirty one games was what I
2: read. Right. Um so just to watch him play at like against players his level is incredible. I think that uh, he had a little bit of a slump when uh, kind of when when Kemmel was ripping up the Liga at the start of the year. Uh, that's another top finish uh, draft pick like Slavkowski was just still finding his way early on. He really turned it on, like kind of once he started getting a chance to play uh, some of the unite or U20 play that he was able to do play at the Olympics and be one of the top scorers there. Like he just showed so well uh, in a lot of the. Uh, What am I trying to say your international competition that he played in? And I think like his his tape is so good enough. Just like, yeah, he didn't light the league up and score, you know, 30 goals. But for a player to come in and do that at like 17, 18 years old in Liga, it's still very impressive. Uh, He's a big body. He's strong. He skates well. He's got an excellent shot. Like there's there's a reason why he's going to be the second overall pick here. He's well deserving of that. Like the way that this uh, draft here is kind of go. It's it's Shane Wright. Number one. He's in his own tier, Slavkovsky. <laughs> yeah, Slavkowski's in his own tier at number two, and then I think it's the two right shot defensemen after that, and then it kind of drops after those four. So, you know, he secured himself into that spot, I guess, in a similar way to Kako or Capo Kako as well. Yep. Like, yep. I feel like it's not like the exact like comparable. The players are pretty similar in a lot of ways, and actually, kind of the way they're shaping out in the draft is like the same way that Kako did, where there was a dynamic player at number one in Jack Hughes. Uh, You kind of have that in the similar year this year, but you're feeling pretty confident that Slavkovsky is going to be at least, like, at least low end of his potential, a middle six forward. He's a guy who should project to be, you know, a top six guy and potentially a first line player, depending how he develops in the NHL. But there's no question about his size, no question about his skating, no question about his his physical play, his his shot. Like, there's no question marks in his game really at all.
0: All right, good to know. Likely not going to be a Canuck, but nonetheless, it's good to hear
2: someone who I will be a Canuck. Get a little silly with it. Like, I, I, you know, you trade the 15th, you trade JT Miller.
0: Okay. I That's see the wheels turning here.
2: That feels like enough to get to second. Like, does does New Jersey have to give back?
0: No. For, for, for a that? second overall pick? If you're, it's Miller for a second overall pick?
2: You're giving up a 15th and Miller.
0: Okay, then yeah,
2: you have to give up. Yeah, New Jersey has to more add more back, right? Yes, New Jersey has I feel to add more. Like, what do we know about value? But I, I'd say like that.
0: Again, I, I could check with someone, but I don't want to trouble them too much since okay. I've been doing that a lot lately. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I just,
2: you know, maybe we'll we'll touch on it down the road if there's that, any that's more That's down whispers. the road. That's, we, got, we got about a month until the draft. I'm not saying it's impossible. I think that... Yeah. I bet the Canucks had a nice little interview with the kid just to, to really dig into everything. Yeah. Maybe they asked him what kind of animal he was. <laughs> Do you, you want tweet? to explain that reference? See the tweet going around? Was it him have, who said that he was a wolf?
0: Uh, you know what? I think it was I him that said was he him. was a wolf. So basically, uh, the NHL teams have been asking players in their interview. It's a common question, apparently, is what animal are you? And most say lion. And Slavkovsky said he was a wolf. We think it was Slavkovsky.
2: Yeah, I think it was. Do you want what to, would you say? If I was going say, do yeah, you want to do, wanna... do each other? Which, uh, which, which animal you think I would be? Which one I think you'd be? You can go first.
0: I don't know.
2: I think when I say lion, <laughs> for yourself?
0: Yeah, for myself.
2: What would you do? What would you say for my? from for me? Gorilla. Gorilla. Yeah. And, and
0: that's not supposed to be mean. No, I don't it's mean not that in a mean way.
2: I mean this in the nicest way as well because I don't know if you know how vicious these little things are. But a sea otter, you'd be a sea otter quad. I could see that. I also can't They're swim vicious. very well. They're vicious. If you see them, they float together and they they can. You, know, what, they you think I'm vicious? Well, yeah, you're a little bit vicious. That's fair. Yeah, I think you'd be. Imagine telling that to a GM. Like, what kind of animal do you think you are? Um, and you're just like throwing off for a quick second, but then you're like, sea otter. I'm a sea otter. Or what if they're like, I'm a turtle. Like, what? That's such a weird question because it's like such a dumb question. everyone's gonna be like, I'm a lion. I'm a cheetah. All the agents are like, remember, you're a lion. You're yeah. a lion. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's... Uh, <laughs>
0: All right. All right. That's enough. Uh, someone who will be with the Canucks, Chris. I was trying to get a little segue going for us, but Arshdeep Baines, join us on the show. We'll throw to that interview right now. On the other side, we have a topical poll question, and then we have a few other topics topics that we will talk about to close out the show. But for now, here is Surrey Product and Vancouver Canucks
2: member, Arshdeep Baines. All right, guys. Joining us now... From just down the road in Surrey, born and raised, now a Vancouver Canuck prospect. We'll see him at development camp very soon here. You could see him last year, the Red Deer Rebels, ripping it up. And you can also see him at the top of the leaderboard for points as well in the WHT- WHL. It's Arsteep Baines. Arsteep, how are you doing, my friend?
3: Good, good. Thank you for
2: having me. Absolutely. We're excited to get you on. Man, I, I got to wonder, like, what was it like for you just coming out of this WHL season and looking back now and being the leading scorer of the WHL? Does it kind of... Like, what's it like for you to kind of take that in?
3: Yeah, it was pretty unbelievable. I didn't expect uh, this this crazy of a season to happen. And all the stuff, but the signing with the Canucks, getting a leading scorer, just doing well with the team and having team success. It's been a great year, and I'm, I couldn't ask for a better season.
0: What was the biggest thing that led you to take this step in your career like the point totals you just pointed out you weren't expecting the season what do you attribute that to like what was the biggest thing that let you take this step
3: I think honestly every year I thought I got better I thought points wise they were getting better every year I kept getting better as a player I don't think I took anything too dramatic this summer I really just trusted my trainers and the rebels and my teammates and I think I really just pushed myself and I think just this last summer and after COVID season and just pushing myself, I think I gave myself a good chance we had a really good team and they helped me out a lot. It was it was it was a lot of aspects I think. It wasn't just one thing that really made the big difference,
2: I'd I think the one thing that we could definitely see from you putting up so many points is kind of just your your hockey IQ and your hockey sense. Is that kind of develop throughout your time in the WHL? I mean, you you know you end up spending parts of five seasons there. I know there's you know COVID years and also that first year not spending a full season. But like, did did you kind of just develop a little bit more of a higher end hockey sense as you're playing through the WHL?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that's one of the strongest parts of my game is just just seeing the ice well wanting to play with the puck and have fun on the ice. I think that's what I always kinda of had growing up. I always was a smart skilled player, even when I was younger, but in the WHL it's harder to harder to do and I was able to find my game and, and uh, use that as part of my game and hopefully I could do that at the
2: next level. I got to ask, like, during that, you know, 112 points in 68 games, what was the, the best stretch of hockey for you? Like, what was the best one week? Do you remember just, like, having a week where you're like, I don't know if it's what I'm eating or what I'm doing, but just, like, having a ridiculous week of scoring?
3: Yeah, I think the first, like, like I right before Christmas, I just, I'm not much of a scorer, but then I just started, I went on, like, an eight-game bowl streak, and I was getting two, three points. Every night, and it was kind of just like it was just ball was just kind of rolling. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't really even think about points or anything like that or goal scoring. Kind of just was starting to come to me, and it was it was pretty fun. And the team was winning. And I think another time was when I, I think I had four points in just one period. It was that's probably the best, like just the craziest thing. Like I just felt like every shift I was going out there getting a chance to score, hit the post, or scoring. And I got four month period, five in the game. Probably the best game of my career. So stuff like that was pretty pretty cool to have. as you know the WHL could be a really tough competitive league, and if you could do the stuff like
2: that, it's pretty fun. That's pretty awesome. It's like video game numbers, man. I feel like you know playing NHL at that point, you get four points in one period. That's wild. Eh? Uh, I, something yeah. you and I, uh, you you and I talked about this in the article I wrote for the Canucks was just you know, kind of growing up a Canucks fan and how cool it was for you, you know, you know, taking the Sky Train in to watch some Canucks games. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you could speak on that a little bit because a lot of people listening to the show are probably in a similar situation as growing up a Canucks fan, whether it be the kids that, you know, were taking the Sky Train to go to Canucks games and everything or just living around Vancouver, whatever way they were doing it. Like, maybe you can just kind of let us know uh, what it was like growing up a Canucks fan. And now to kind of get to this point of being in the organization, I imagine it's a pretty incredible moment for you and your family.
3: Yeah, like back, to touch back on the on the SkyTrain. Uh, it's kind of just like it's almost kind of like a movie. Like everyone, you go onto the SkyTrain. Not too not too packed when you first get on it from Surrey, which is probably the part point point starts. And then as you make your way down down to Vancouver, everybody gets on. I'm not sure it's so full in there. No one's sitting. Everyone's standing. And <laughs> if you get to the get to the rink, and you come out of the out of the. SkyTrain and it's just so it's just packed full of people trying to get into the arena like it's just that everybody, like just seeing that as a kid I couldn't even imagine if I was playing in the building and just knowing that everyone's coming in, flooding in to watch you play and all these fans and where they're coming from and just cheer you on so that was, that was a great memory because I loved going loved going to the game with all the fans that go, they're all happy to watch and at school there'd be Everyone's wearing their Canucks jerseys and playoffs. and I don't know. It's just like a, the city loves Canucks, like even from Surrey, which is, I wouldn't say far, but it's a good 45-an-hour wait for some people. And they're still loving this team, and it's all over the lower mainland. So it's a big community all around, caring for one team. So it's really special.
0: Did you have a favorite player growing up?
3: My favorite player was probably Kessler because I wore 17 all my childhood. I love the Sedins. I love Viexa. Uh, Burroughs. Luongo is always great. I know they'd always say Lou uh, in the building when he saved <laughs> Buck. So it's just stuff like that. And I just love the team. I was so young, I didn't have just one favorite player. I love the whole team. So there's a lot of great players.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, you mentioned the Sedins. How excited were you when you saw that they're going to be doing a lot of workout in Abbott's for this coming season?
3: Yeah, that's Unreal. I think that's great for all the players in Habitat that like these two legends that basically which not, not just the fans of the Vancouver Canucks people that like them, but all over the NHL, everybody's view the cities how how crazy they are. They're one of the greatest players ever and that they're gonna come help out with the American League team and NHL and just be all over it. it's just great for everybody, so it's super exciting.
2: So your general manager out there in Red Deer, uh, Brent Sutter, had some pretty high praise for you uh, when I spoke with him a couple months ago just about your commitment to you know wanting to improve every single day. Uh, I know that's something that he said. It didn't just happen this year. It's been something that's been going on for five years under this program here. Is that now kind of just the goal for you is to you know go from the WHL now to professional hockey and just see what you can do with these development coaches to get your game to you know yet another level as you kind of grow still here?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I- one of the biggest mentors I've, I have and he taught me so much I think the playing I wasn't I wasn't drafted to the Rebels so I, I kind of just had to get my foot in the door and just try to make my way up and I wasn't the best player to start with so I I really did take the five years the full five years to develop and I I, uh, I really owe it to them for for giving me that chance and making me better and I think the same thing with uh, shining with the Canucks I think just wanting to get better. I know I'm not there yet, but uh, I'll definitely I'll keep going and see if it's where I can
2: take it. I'm sure that, you know, every player that comes out of the CHL that wasn't drafted obviously wants to prove a point and, you know, prove that they can make an impact on an organization, but is there, like, extra motivation for you knowing that it is the Vancouver Canucks that you signed with?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think everybody wants to kind of prove themselves show why their team, to give them a chance and prove them right, I think that still goes with me, and then it's being my hometown team, there's a lot of people, all my friends and family, people that look up to me, it's uh, it's, it's an honor that I have to take, with uh, and uh, have to basically just give me another reason to want to be better, and and, uh, kind of just uh, make them proud.
2: And I know you've mentioned uh, in the past to me that you have a huge family. Can you tell me who's the biggest r St. Baines fan in your family?
3: <laughs> Probably my grandma. Yeah. She uh, she always watches my games on TV. She doesn't miss a game, and she's always she – just she's just always there for me. She's always been there from the start. I, she's my number one fan, and I – that's <laughs> – that's an easy answer for me.
2: <laughs> Is she loud? Is she loud in the crowd? Or are we gonna hear it out in Abbotsford this year?
3: No, you'll see her uh I don't know if she'll be out there. She's she's pretty old now, so yeah. She's uh she just watches through the T V so it's,
2: uh, I'm proud, happy to have her. That's awesome. And I know that something you mentioned was like you're expecting a huge amount of family members. Can you let us know kind of uh in the range of what you expect to see for that first game out there in Abbotsford?
3: First game in Abbotsford. Probably say at least thirty people for me. It's not bad. You never know, though. Might be more.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, how did it all come together? Like, how did you end up signing with the Canucks? Did you have other options? Um, you know, what was the first call like? Who was it from? Just take us through that.
3: Yeah. Um. I guess kind of just I knew I was having a good year. I went uh, back and forth with my agent. Kind of. He kind of just let me. Uh. Do my job. He does his job. I know. Uh, I don't want to be too worried about stuff that I can't control. So I know he was busy at work for me doing things like looking for teams and seeing other looking kind of deal. And I know at the beginning of March there's new contracts, so that's when a lot of new players sign and uh, uh, there were teams interested. I guess the Canucks, him and the Canucks were kind of working. They wanted to sign me for a bit. He. Look, if you want to sign it, it doesn't happen right away. So it kind of took a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and we were able to figure it out. And uh, right when I found out it was the, the Canucks were interested, I I had to. And it didn't even matter. I had to I had to go with them, even if there was another team that wanted to sign me. I was going to choose the Canucks, and I know there was a little bit of interest, but
2: I didn't uh, wait on it. it. Just took my chance. Yeah, it didn't really matter at that point. Once you knew the Vancouver Canucks were interested, hey, that's a, that's awesome to hear, man. Especially the local guy and. I think something, you know, the big step for you moving forward now is going to be development camp. And, and I've been talking to a lot of these draft picks and prospects of the Vancouver Canucks over the past couple of months here. The big thing is like everybody's expecting the competition to be so high. Like, you know, bringing in players like yourself or Linus Carlson from over in Sweden or Aiden McDonough from down in the States. You know, the Canucks haven't had a development camp for the past two years. Uh, what are you kind of expecting? Uh, what you're going to see here in July at this development camp?
3: Yeah, I think be good competitive i think just getting on the ice with each other get to know each other a little bit and just see where we're all at and overall kind of different ages different different ways different sizes but i think just getting on the ice competing with each other and learning and uh should be fun and should be a great time
2: absolutely it's going to be interesting to see the sedines be a, a big part of that as well i know you kind of touched on it earlier uh but to hear them you know being able to be a big part of abbotsford that's that's I don't know. To me, like if, if I was in your spot, like that must be really surreal, man, to think that you're going to be able to work with these guys. And now, you know, it kind of sounds like they're going to be more on ice as well. Like, what do you think you can gain and take away from two players that were, you know, had obviously incredibly high hockey IQ. And that's something that I think your game is praised about quite a bit is just, you know, being a guy who can think the game, maybe one pass ahead. That was exactly what the Sedins did. So how excited are you to, to kind of pick their brain on that specific topic of just hockey IQ and, and what passes to make to set up scoring chances?
3: Yeah, I exactly when I look I looked up to them I, I love the way they play how smart they use each other on the ice and I'd say that's that's I love love watching them play and I know that's kind of how I want to be I want to be able to just take the game so well see had see head before anybody else know what play's gonna happen and anything they teach me it's obviously I'm gonna not take it and run with it they they know so much and I'm so excited that they are gonna gonna give us a chance to Teach us so I'm, I'm. I know they know so much. They're they're super working players, as I've heard, and so I'm, I'm really excited for what they have to say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering, like, now that you're making that jump to pro hockey, is there an area of your game that you think you need to take to the next level to, to be successful in the AHL and eventually the NHL?
3: Yeah, I think I'm a pretty smart player. I I play with a little bit of skill, and I think just wanting to be able to skate and and uh, be able to be able to skate with the, the, the next level and being able to use my speed. and Just getting faster, I think, faster and stronger. I think I can play it smart. I can play skill. i have good shot, but just getting quicker, being stronger, that will be a big part of my next, uh, you
2: know. Absolutely. Okay, I got to ask, you know, since you're a local guy, there's a lot of people. We have a lot of listeners in Surrey and Vancouver area. <laughs> Um, give me your favorite restaurant in Surrey, some spot that, you know, maybe the family likes to go out and then maybe like a, a cafe type, like you bring the lady out to any cafes or anything, Arf? Uh,
3: let me think here. <laughs> Why? Well, you know, I don't, I only spend about like three months here. Right? Yeah, so true. I haven't rent there most of the time. Uh, where did I like going? That's a tough question. I usually don't go out too much, but... Okay.
2: A homebody, then? Like, do, do, you, have an, uh, do you have a do you have a you know a meal that you're good at? Have you perfected anything? You're living on your like not really on your own, obviously with the billet, but do you ever like cook for the billet family or anything? <laughs>
3: I'm kind of just a barbecue guy. I, okay. like, I like going the yeah barbecue steak or chicken and stuff like that. That's why I like doing. But I couldn't think of a place I go out a <laughs> lot for dinner. Even if I do, I'd probably just be like a, like a cactus or brown some. No, not, it's probably a bad answer, but it's kind of just chain restaurants. So yeah. That's
2: about it. Keep it simple. We've heard that answer before, if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise yeah. too much. Well, uh, hey, Ars, really appreciate you taking the time today, man. We're excited to see you up uh, at Development Camp and see where the season goes with you. I'm sure it's going to be uh, – you know, pretty pretty surreal for you, I'm sure, to put on that blue and green, you know, and actually take the ice with Canucks instead of just wearing it as a fan uh, like you did growing up. So we're excited to see the future with you, man, and uh, we'll be following along for sure. Uh, so thanks for taking the time today to join us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: All right. And a massive thank you to RD Baines
0: for joining us on this episode. A lot of fun. And our poll question today, Chris, a very topical poll question, as I hinted at before we got to that interview. Our poll question Brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pop rinds. The best fresh pork rind straight out of your microwave or air fryer. Chris, have you made the nachos
2: yet? No, no, no. People, they got to start bugging me on Twitter here. I'll I'll remember to do it. If enough people start annoying me on Twitter saying, (laughs) "Do do the nachos, do the nachos. I'll do the nachos already. I just, I can't, I keep... You know I keep getting busy every night here. I get home, I work all day long at 6:50 and then I get you freaking buzzing up my phone. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Need 3 articles today. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Tell Rainbow Quinn Hughes that's all I get from every night I'm dealing with. I get, I don't have time to make pork rind nachos. <laughs> we'll get to your Hughes article soon. It was a really good read. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm excited about it. But okay, our poll
0: question today again brought to you by Atlas Goods, atlasgds.com. Promo code CC15. Locally owned company in Surrey. The pork grinds are fantastic. So go check wonder them out. wonder
2: if you know, dig he's Surrey boy
0: himself. Might have to send him some. Yep. Might have to send him some. Official partner of uh, Atlas Goods, Archdeep Baines. That'd be something. Okay, our poll question today. Which prospect will have the most goals in the AHL next season? Archdeep Baines, Linus Carlson, Danila Klimovich, and as always... I'm angry, Chris. So far, Linus Carlson leading with thirty-nine percent of the vote, followed by Danila Klimovich at twenty-six percent, and right behind him at twenty-four percent is Surrey Product and guest of the show, friend of the show now, I'd say, Archdeep Baines and eleven percent of people say they are angry. Where do you vote on this, Chris? Cause I don't we, we briefly talked about it beforehand and before we started the show today. I'm leaning toward Daniil Klimovich personally. Really? I am. And, and the reason, Chris, is that, look, I know the kid's only going to be 19, 20 years old in next season, and he was only 18 this year. But one has to assume that for Daniil Klimovich, this year was about learning, right? And you learn a lot when you come to the AHL for the first year. Like, this was his first year in North America, first year in pro hockey. Usually, we see a bump right? A bump in production. And I think you want to see Daniil Klimovic take that next step. If he doesn't, it's an indictment on the Canucks development program, is it not? You need to have Daniil Klimovich take that next step. So the way I look at it is I say, okay, Linus Carlson's coming from pro hockey in the SHL, but it's a different game. It's a different game than it is here, right? And again, I know we've seen Niels Hoaglander have that seamless transition. Uh, you know, obviously had a little more trouble in his sophomore year, but Elias Pettersson, all these guys, I get it. But When I look at Linus Carlson, I think there's going to be a learning curve. And I think the same is going to be said for Arshdeep Baines, right? Overage player in the WHL does great. And again, is going to be in good hands. Like we talked about in that interview with the cityans, with the Canucks new development staff, we both think that he's going to be in good hands with the Canucks. We think he's going to take that step, but I don't think the guy who's coming in and again a second round pick we're comparing a second round pick to a third round pick that wasn't even on the past management regime's radar very much when he was a prospect and a guy who went undrafted and was signed as an overage player from the WHL we're comparing that to a late you know a, an early second round pick who is known for his scoring ability right that's what we're comparing here i think you are going to see daniel klimovich take a step next year i think despite him coming in second on this poll, my vote goes to Dan- Danila Klimovic. I think he's going to take a step next year, and I think we're going to see Archdeep Baines and Linus Carlson be in that spot that Klimovic was in in his first
2: year in the AHL. Man, yeah. I think the, the thing about just looking at the scoring like last year in the AHL for, for Danila Klimovic was that like he was able to come in and you know, contribute offensively, I think, in his rookie season, which was great. The the biggest thing that hurt his year to me was consistency, and that's something that's going to be hard to work on. But still, the guy ends up scoring, you know, eight goals in the AHL. Hey, listen, that's eight more goals than, like, what you're saying, R. Steve Baines and Linus Carlson scored last year in the AHL. But when I watch shift-by-shift play of Linus Carlson and I watch shift-by-shift play of daniela Klimovic, there is so much more consistency in Linus Carlson's ability to shoot the puck than there is in Klimovich's game. Not only in shooting the puck, but carrying the puck, not giving out the puck, not turning over the puck when you're in the offensive zone. There's such a higher level of consistency in in Carlson's game that I think he has to be the one that you pick for this poll. And, and I'm pretty confident in that because I think I can 100% see Linus Carlson on day one out in Abbotsford being on the first power play unit. I do I don't see that happening for for Danila Klimovic on day one. I don't see him being on the first power play unit, especially if they're going to bring back, You know, I heard Rick Dollywall talking about it, Sheldon Rempel being a guy that they want to bring back, Sheldon Dries being someone they want to bring back. Those guys are going to be back on PP1. If there's one prospect that's going to get a chance on PP1 next year, to me, like, well, Jack Rathbone, if he's there, he's there for sure. Um, So he's, you know, I should say two prospects, I guess. But Linus Carlson, for me, gets that spot. Very easily over Danila Klimovich because of the consistency that Klimovich showed last year. And let's not forget, like Klimovich had a very good training camp, right? Like there was time, like, remember that one scrimmage? Everyone comes out of that scrimmage and is like, Klimovich, he's playing in the NHL next year. You got all the Abbotsford fans thinking he should be in the NHL. But here's the other thing. This is the funny part. All those people that were out there in Abbotsford watching training camp, they were also the same people that saw him play throughout the year. And the hype around that one scrimmage about Daniel Klimovich has for some reason sold a portion of Canucks fans to think that he's an NHL player like next year and he's going to get his chance. Call him up. He's going to boost the power play. But the thing is, everyone that was out there at training camp got to see him throughout the season and was like, oh, no, never mind. Like he's he's very far away from being an NHL player. He's got a lot of things to work on in his own realm. And I actually saw Klimovich uh, the other day. He's walking down the street, by the way. Did Did I tell you this? No, you did no, saw. Yeah, I saw Kalinovich coming down with some groceries the other day, uh, walking into his building. Lives pretty close to me down there uh, by Rogers Arena. Didn't go back home, eh? No, nope, he's staying. Him and his wife are here, and I uh, actually just saw a little video of him taking some shots in a little uh Oh, that's right. His, well. his
0: agent came on the show and told us he was staying.
2: Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> come on. We'll get him on the show here soon. We'll see. Yeah, I'm going to see if Kalinovich, uh, if how his English is done and improved. You know,
0: I saw Pod Colson walking toward the building as well uh pod colson shops at tnt supermarket well this
2: must have been a while ago it was okay yeah yeah it wasn't yeah yeah it was a while ago it was like september i think (laughs) i I actually told this story on the podcast yeah no yeah it's good tnt's the the spot man that's right down the road there but yeah i just i don't think that the consistency is going to be fixed in this offseason for klinovich i think he's going to need to play more games to build it up and i just feel so much more confident in the consistent shots that linus carlson gets off that he's going to be a guy who gets an opportunity to be on that first power play unit. He's going to be a trigger man on that first power play unit. Uh, and he'll be a guy who leads this team. I can see Linus Carlson scoring, you know, 14 to to 25 goals next year. If, if everything works out and he makes a smooth transition, because that's the thing about Carlson is like he's had to change. Uh, leagues over the past three years. Now it's going to be, you know, this year he's going to be making an adjustment to the AHL. Last year he made an adjustment to the SHL. The year before that he's making the adjustment to the Alsvenskan. This dude has had to play through some very different leagues and very different types of hockey. I don't think that's going to affect him that much. I think he's going to come in and do what he does well. And I think what he does well is going to, you know, even though I'm saying this too much, he's that's going to do well in the AHL as well. Like you're going to see, you're going to see Carlson. I think be an impact player and. Looking at the three players, I'll be interested to see what like the two-way game is of R.D. Baines. Like If we're looking at this poll question saying, who makes the most night-to-night impact in the AHL? I'm really curious to see what Baines looks like, man. Like I am very curious to see what he looks like. He obviously made a huge impact at the WHL levels, but we'll have to see if Carlson's scoring and what he does at a high level is so good in the AHL that you have to start to think about him being an NHL talent which all the prospect people are hoping happens with Linus Carlson. It's still kind of a long shot. He's got to prove himself one more time in the AHL, but really excited to see all three of these players. And I do hope like I'm with you quads. Like I'd love to see clean take that step and be something more impactful. I'm just, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Carlson being the goal scoring leader here. Do you want to bet? I'm just joking. Sure. No,
0: we always make these bets and then forget about them. Didn't we have? Oh, we, yeah, I, mean, I was, lost that bet, the Yulevi bet. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if you've been listening for a while, you remember the bet we made in training camp was that if levy goes through waivers, he's not getting claimed. And, uh, you know, I said, look, teams are going to be giving up on this guy around the league, right? Not Stevie Y. And <laughs> someone. <laughs> The best Great talent part, evaluator the, too. B- the best part about that, and I, I know Yolevi, you know, sucked, and he, he's not going to be oh, in the NHL he's, he's anymore. He still got
2: a chance. We'll see what happens here. I oh, got he all those all those rookie cards. League.
0: He's in the Finnish league now. I got those rookie. He's cards. literally out of the NHL now. He's not playing in the NHL. Did he next. actually go to Finland? He's not playing in the NHL next year. Really? Yeah, he's done. Huh. Okay. Anyways, the the point is, uh, when I lost that bet, someone did. Canucks convo sub poll question: Who's a better evaluator of talent, Steve Iserman or Quads? I was <laughs> like dying when I saw that. But yeah, Oli Alevi, uh did get claimed when he got sent down by the Florida Panthers. Detroit Red Wings putting in a flyer on him waiver claim, I should have said. And we saw him in Vancouver one game, and he was just oh, he was atrocious. It was it was tough to watch. And again, this isn't a crap on the guy because you feel bad for him, right? Because a lot of that is because of the injuries he had over the year, uh, over the years, just. Horrible, horrible injury luck for Leo Levy. But, yeah, uh, going to be finding himself in the fi- top finish league next season, not playing in the NHL as far as we know. Uh, as far as you know,
2: I say he's coming back, baby. Who's, who's giving him a contract?
0: Who's giving him a contract? Buffalo
2: Sabres. Why? So he can play can you with just you.
0: Just say Buffalo or Arizona as a default because they suck. Yeah, well, hey. is Okay, in your honest opinion, does the 24-year-old Leo Levy have any upside?
2: In Buffalo, he does. He's gonna be Colin Miller's replacement.
0: I can't remember where I heard this, that Yolevi's going to Finland. I remember I don't think reading so. it though.
2: I feel like I told you this one time in passing that I think that's where he'll be playing next <laughs> year, and you've just been running with it. Because <laughs> I don't think this is like a real thing. I know I've said this to you like as a joke.
0: But I swear I saw <laughs> <laughs>
2: No. All right, we're not
0: even going to cut this. Whatever, no, just, just play it out. This no- I'm pretty
2: sure he's playing in Finland. I I remember hearing this from someone who would actually know. With the things about the bets here, when uh, <laughs> when we get to the new studio, which is going to be my place there, I've got a big whiteboard up so we can keep our bets on keep the track whiteboard. Of our bets, yeah. yeah, because that is a problem here with these uh, with the bets because we forget them. Yeah, I'd like to make more bets. I'd like to to win more. You know, show that I'm a better talent evaluator than uh, Stevie, I, Stevie Y. Stevie <laughs> Y.
0: What? Okay, so he's an RFA this season. Yeah. Right. Okay, so he's an RFA with arbitration eligibility. He's not going to get much. He could go home and play in Finland. I don't know. I remember hearing this.
2: Yeah, for me, I was joking.
0: I don't know. Maybe
2: I, he rips it up in the in the Liga and those cards I got, those rookie cards. they were worth something one day. I'll be fucking sending those cards over eBay to Finland.
0: Okay. Uh, we don't need to spend more time on Yo Levy. <laughs> okay, I think we've spent enough time over the years.
2: You know what? Any time in of the off season, you can buy five minutes of content. You know, thank you, Yo Levy. Thank you, Jim. That's a uh, that's some good stuff right there. What else do we got? I got some. I put some stuff. You're still trying to find out. He's not going to Finland. No, I, know, Get I off. can't
0: see it anywhere. I can't remember. Where I've heard
2: this. Get out of there. Let's go. Moving on here. Okay. Moving on. Yeah, we are moving on because uh, you
0: brought up Colin Miller who actually found
2: his name on
0: CanucksArmy.com on Friday, Chris. And the reason was because you wrote an article, three defense partners, short-term defense partners, we might add, because we still maintain that the focus is to acquire a long-term fit for Quinn Hughes, right? Whether that be through a trade, whether that be through drafting, but you need someone in the meantime. Because we've kind of talked about how you don't want to come into next year with Luke Shannon's plan A, B, and C, correct? So... You wrote three defense partners not named John Marino from the Pittsburgh Penguins who could be a fit for Quinn Hughes.
2: Yeah. Listen, John Marino would be uh he's a player that makes a lot of sense to play with Quinn Hughes, right? But how many articles have we seen about John Marino? I mean, harms wrote three this off season already, uh, by the way, harm will be back on the show next week. We, uh, we've been saving up our money in a piggy bank. So we can get an episode of uh Harmon dial back on the show. But yeah, I just, I looked at some of the cheaper options and, there's there's some interesting ones who had like some very impressive defensive uh, analytics. Hockey Viz had you know has quite a few things that, that helped kind of evaluate their defensive play. And the one that really stuck out, man, was like was Connor Clifton. Like he's five foot eleven, and that like already pisses a lot of people off. I've seen people in the comments are like, Clifton's five eleven. Give me Noah Juleson <laughs> instead. Give me Noah Juleson on the first pairing with Quinn Hughes next year. He's much better, dude. Clifton was actually like so good defensively last year. Was also like. Reliable offensively as well. He's a guy who can take up a lot of space, as, as Quinn Hughes does such a good job of on his own. So Clifton's an interesting one. I I, I think the the Canucks might want to look that way. And then it's like he's five eleven, dude. You, you go right now on Twitter if you're just listening to this and you're chilling. I don't know how you listen to podcasts if you're you know sitting in a chair or playing FIFA or NHL or something. Pause the game unless you're online, dude. And I don't do it after the game, but just go on Twitter and search up Clifton hit. There's so many Connor Clifton laid a lot of huge hits last year more physical than people think uh, Colin Miller was another example. He's the guy you don't even need to trade for uh, And by the way Clifton makes a million dollars next year So he's a player that you can trade for and not have very much effect to your salary cap at all Colin Miller We know about the bomb had a 105 mile an hour shot. He's 29 years old, but he's a ufa <laughs> And uh, we've we've dumped on buffalo quite a bit, but tell you what if I'm Colin Miller I am wanting to get as far away from Buffalo as possible and that uh, that might be Vancouver um, that makes a lot of sense and then, like it would be cool to watch Colin Miller play with Quinn Hughes because like Quinn Hughes does such a good job of just like extending offensive possessions moving the puck around skating the puck wa- like walking the line and then to think that like there's always just a one-timer option for Quinn Hughes like once he skates over to the right side and Miller rotates to the left he has that 105 mile an hour bomb at his disposal every time, like that. That pairing makes makes a little bit of sense there as well. Then Nick Jensen was one I just threw out because like he has such good defensive numbers uh, for the Washington Capitals. He's thirty one years old, so it's like I don't think he's that much of an upgrade. And like Luke Shen's defensive numbers are actually pretty good too. Like he's top fifty uh, in the NHL for expected goals against per sixty. So Luke Shen isn't the worst option either. But these players that I laid out there were kind of just little upgrades to potentially help the connects as they move forward, but they still need to find that prospect, right? Like to me, it's all about finding that right D prospect to play with Hughes. And, and something I've been talking about on the show for a while is you need to find two players. And I have thought for a while that maybe that was two prospects, but it could be the route of, you know, a 27 to, you know, 26, 27, 28 year old guy who plays for the next couple of years. And then you, you go on the trade market and you look at, you know, Jack Thompson out of Tampa Bay, Brock Faber out of the LA Kings, Helga Grands out of the LA Kings, Braden Schneider is another example. Here's a here's a low-key one. I don't think I've seen this name thrown around very much. Ethan Sampson out of the Flyers organization. The Flyers are going to do something uh, throughout this draft, like trades up of this draft. If the Canucks can squeeze Ethan Sampson out of the Philadelphia Flyers organization, sneaky little pick there. I'm telling you for a nice right D prospect. Uh, and Scotty Morrow is the last one but let me let me see Former guest
0: former guest of the show
2: yeah uh yeah scotty Morrill. good good kid uh so yeah i think that's what like i just looking at and evaluating a few different times it's like they do need two players who can play with hughes but one just might be for now and one might be for down the road and if you can find a player that can bridge you to one of those you know young players as they develop into an NHLer, you know so be it good go out and get yourself one of these clifton players for a million dollars and and Make a make a splash this year to to help Quinn Hughes develop his game even more because there's a lot of development still to go for Quinn Hughes. He's not uh, reached his final form just yet. I think there's a lot more to see, and it's not just about having a guy that can play with Quinn Hughes, but it's about a player that can make Quinn Hughes better. And like and I don't think we've seen that since Chris Tanev. Like Chris Tanev makes Quinn Hughes better because he's able to be a good secondary passer. He's able to always stay back so that Quinn Hughes has to not worry about anything defensively. He made Quinn Hughes better. And since Tanev left, there's not really been a guy who's made him better. Luke Shen fits like Luke Shen works like it works. It's fine, but he doesn't elevate Hughes is exactly. what you're saying. And that's what you want to see is you want to see a defense partner for Quinn Hughes that can elevate him. I think that comes in a long-term prospect who is, isn't at that point right now, uh, but we'll see what happens. Like people are like, well, what about uh, Dante Fabro? It's like, yeah, you think they're going to take Dante Fabro out? He's playing top-pairing minutes for, with Nashville. You're not going to be able to just scoop these players out of nowhere. Like, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to be looking at the Nick Jensen's and the Connor Cliftons. You're not going to be able to just snag Connor Favreau, or Fabro uh, Dante Fabro or these top-end players who are playing first-line minutes on other teams, playing with their top defensemen. So I don't know. I think that uh, – I think there's some options out there. There may be some names we haven't really heard about a lot, but in the end, like I, the the title of the article is like not John Marino. I, you know, John Marino is still a very possible player that they could be trading for. It makes a lot of sense to play with Hughes
0: quickly. I want to get this in Bruce Boudreaux finishes 12th in Jack Adams voting. I wrote a little article on Canucks Army this morning. Quick opinion piece about how he probably should have finished a little higher. Because um, again, the award is supposed to be to the coach who you know got the most out of their team. Uh, I think the exact verbiage is a little different than than that. But I wrote about you know I thought Bruce Boudreaux should have got a few more votes. That one is an award voted by the National Hockey League broadcasters. Uh, so I know our oh I thought friend, it was I thought you guys voted on nope. that. TikTok star Brennan Batchelor got a vote on that. I don't know oh. where he voted. I just know that he had a vote. Um, So that was really interesting. But yeah, what about no, uh, PHWA, your girl, your girl Addison
2: just... Ray? She got a vote there?
0: <laughs> what are you talking about, man? No votes
2: for her? Does she do NHL stuff? Yeah, she's a big NHL uh, TikToker. Yeah. Really? That's what I, said. I thought you were, I thought she was getting in there. Yeah. No, you, I... you should know this. No, she's not a broadcaster.
0: Uh. Addison Ray, whoever that is, isn't doing play by play in color on the broadcast. So she's done some color. Has she? No, she. Ha- you're just messing with me. I don't even know who this is. Just get uh-huh. out of here. You, you make your crazy jokes. I don't know who you're talking about.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: By definition, Jack Adams Award is awarded annually to the NHL coach, a judge to have contributed the most to his team's success. Any success the Canucks had this year, and I know they came just short of a playoff spot, so that probably hurts them a little bit. But any success they had this year was thanks to Bruce Boudreau directly on the ice. Right. Yep. Where would uh, where would he have placed
2: on yours though? Like, does he get? Top three votes?
0: No, he doesn't get top three. But, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. So it's first, second, third. I would probably have him, you know, and there was one guy who had him second. I I would probably have him third on mine. He had two third-place votes. I think I would go Daryl Sutter one, and then I would probably go Gerard Gallant two. You know, maybe there's an argument for Todd McClellan as well. Actually, I would probably go McClellan two, and McClellan finished sixth in voting, and then I would go... Boudreaux third but some guys who finished ahead of him in overall voting Sheldon Keefe in Toronto John Cooper in Tampa John Hines in Nashville somebody picked as the best coach in the league which okay whatever you say Mike Sullivan Rod Brindamore uh, McClellan Bednar in Colorado Dean Evason in Minnesota uh, Andrew Burnett in Florida also finishing higher Um then Bruce
2: Boudreaux, yeah, I would have struggled to have Boudreaux in my top three if I'm being honest, but he I think, might I think have Sutter's snuck the right, right pick, though. Yeah, I one. think Sutter's number one in my book, too. I think Bednar, uh, I'm putting him at two just because how like that run of games that they had at home, they do play very well. Think about the game, like I forget how many games they went. Was it, like, it was almost 30 games in a row they won at home, but
0: uh, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you off. But my argument here is if you take Jared Bednar off the Colorado Avalanche are probably having similar success. Are yeah, they but I don't know,
2: man. The thing about like winning at home when you have last change, I think that's a little thing like taking into that's consideration about true. a coach is like he's making a difference. If you're winning so much more at home, that's fair. and listen, they had a good road record too, but they were that good on at home ice. Uh, I think that's a part of it, anyways. That uh, I, I put Bednar as number two, and then yeah, like you know, depending how homerish I was feeling, that's fair. I may put Boudreau at three, but I know I like, I, I don't think he does. He was great. If the Canucks get into the playoffs, if they he's make the there playoffs, there's a much better conversation. Yeah, absolutely, I'm in that boat too. Yeah. But I don't think he did enough. for and he did a lot. Like I'm not I'm not putting down Boudreaux what he did as a coach. I think he's great. He's a perfect coach for this team moving forward. But he's not top three from the last year as well. For in my eyes. Yeah. You're so right. Some people are gonna be mad. Some people are gonna be mad. Okay, quickly. Stefan Roger.
0: What the hell? You know, I had to bring him up. You know, I had to bring up my boy like I do on every podcast. Wrote an article for Canucks Army about retaining salary on trades, Chris. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about this. I think this is maybe a midweek conversation to have, but you look at what the Canucks would be able to do if they retain salary on any trade. JT Miller at five and then five and a little bit more on a one year, one year left on his contract. That's valuable to a lot of teams. But if you retain 50% on that, that's, a, that's an asset that not only can almost every team afford, that's something that every team is going to be clamoring to add. Every contender is going to be wanting to add a near 100-point player for $2.6 That's like an unprecedented number that you're able to
2: add a player at. Yeah, but I threw this to Frank Valley when he joined us last year on the show, and he said that that was like ridiculous <laughs> the Canucks would do that. because No, because
0: there's, there's ownership and everything involved as well. Right. Why would they retain? And that there's was at there's the a time, lot of
2: different things. But, but at the time, it was two years. That they yes. were going to have to retain anyways. But.
0: Yeah, but now it's one year. And also, you you know it would add to the trade value. So maybe you want to get out of a contract. We know the Canucks were actively peddling those contracts at the deadline. The Travis Hamaneks, the Jason Dickinsons, the Tucker Pullmans. One that the management group views as maybe not negative value, but contracts that they would like to move. Maybe sure. inefficient money is the correct word. They were trying to move those guys, again,
2: uh, reported by Frank Saravali. So I didn't read this Stefan Roger article. Because, well, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, I saw who wrote it, but tell me what, uh, what well, do you say about uh, Tyler Myers is the one I'm interested in. That's
0: what they, they, I'm getting there. So well, then what, what do you said, do with Dilly
2: Dabbing away well, here?
0: What he said is that you can have Dilly Dabbing away. Oh, yeah, Dilly Dabbing away. That's not a term. I, it is now. Yeah, it is. Okay, anyway. You get what I was saying when I said I, it. I knew what you meant. You're yeah. right. You're right. Okay, so what he did say is that, you know, if you do retain money on a Miller contract, and this is my main point here, is then all of a sudden, you can still get similar value back as if you didn't retain and pair a bad contract with it, right? So if you're... You know, if you're moving a Jason Dickinson and and maybe you get a third line center back, right? Maybe all of a sudden you're able to add some more bad money to that con to that trade, and you know, you're freeing up cap space, you're doing all this other stuff that you want to do, you're making your team better, because that's the main thing is Patrick Alvine when he spoke about all this, as he said, like we don't just want to move cap space for the sake of moving cap space and freeing up cap space. We want to get better at the same time. So it's about what you do with that cap space in turn. And all I'm saying, Chris, is if the Canucks do retain salary. And again, let's not forget, so far, Jim Rutherford says that they haven't had to manage up with ownership being involved or anything like that. You know, he said at the time when he spoke, which was end of season media, he said Francesco and him go out for... Lunch maybe once every two weeks. that's very different than how things were run when Jim Benning was still the general manager of this team and we know that that's been reported all over the place but right now that's something interesting to kind of note retaining salary is something that's uh on the mind right now.
2: yeah, I don't think there's any question right now specifically like you know this is the time where where I think Francesco Aquilini want to prove, wants to prove to his new management group that he's willing to buck up here and pay. And I don't think he's going to be stepping in too much at a certain point. There's a new fresh management group that I think has a lot of uh, high praise around the NHL for for what they've kind of assembled here. Um, You know, especially with Jim Rutherford being the guy at the top of that, his his prestige is high. You know, speaking of uh, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 2 coming out, prestige that's coming up here uh, pretty soon. I think Jim Rutherford has a high prestige around the league, uh, and I think that there is quite an investment I think coming in from Aquilini, like to think that they are going for this practice rink. They are wanting to make Abbotsford be one of the best teams in the league. They would be willing to eat money if they have to at a certain point, but yeah, I think that could really help the Canucks with some sort of flexibility. And I think that's a lot of thing that fans have been clamoring for is to do some out of the box thinking, do some things that we never saw happen under Jim Benning in his eight years of, you know, utilizing the salary cap and weaponizing it to you can to weaponize certain directions. it in this and, year, right? Like people aren't thinking about that, but that's weaponizing cap space. Yep, exactly. And even if you're eating it like a certain way, you're you're weaponizing that little bit to kind of maybe get more picks in the trade or whatever it is. Like there's there's a lot of options for sure, and I think you know that's why I'd like to see the connects to you. Anyways, it's like listen, they may end up taking a step back this year, but I feel like if if you're taking a step back, it's almost like you're hopping into a slingshot. Where if you are taking a yeah. step back this year, you're already at a point where. It's not like you're falling back. Like you're taking a step back, but it is like you're jumping into a slingshot because you're getting multiple steps forward in the right direction with this new management group. A step back isn't the worst thing this year, I don't think, for the Canucks. And it might be something that we see if that's the direction that they want to go. Specifically, like, you know, we joked about it earlier, but if they're able to like pull off a thing where they do move up and draft a really high end prospect, you know, in the top three, then it feels like a step back is going to happen, but it is a huge huge boost coming down the road if they yeah. do take a step back there because it's not like they need to they don't need to take a step back this year they can try and just build and build but you just need to balance out you know three years from now what's better for the organization yeah absolutely. and i think that'll be something we'll see this offseason for sure do you have any prospect report for us today yeah i got some uh some players i think are rising and falling go ahead and uh you throw the, the outline <laughs> i flipped over here. it upside down my a couple bad. names i want to mention sam Renzel who some people were were pegging pretty high, like in the middle of the first round for a little bit. He was a guy who jumped up quite a bit. Uh, Just sounds like he's dropping a little bit. The the finish to the season for him when he made the jump from high school hockey to USHL didn't really go as great uh, as a lot of people were hoping for. So his play in the USHL has dropped him down a little bit. He's still probably a first rounder, but he might be a guy who slides in the second round. If the Canucks end up adding an early second round pick. That's your guy right there. That's the right D that you missed out on when Scotty Morrow went one pick right before Klimovich. Klimovic. Uh, so Sam Renzel, keep an eye on him, four right shot defenseman. He's falling. Leanne Bichel, or Bichel, sorry. He's the big boy. Quads, he's the, you know, they asked him what animal he was. He said Godzilla. I don't know. I, I don't know that for <laughs> true. But he is a monster. He's like 6'5", 6'6". From what I've heard is that he has impressed a lot of people over the last little bit here with his size and strength away from the rink. Bishsell is excellent. I really like him. I like him for the Canucks to draft. I like him a lot from what he's done in the SHL to be that big and move that well. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot to like uh, about his game. And then Marco Casper, man, I was thinking the Canucks are going to be able to trade down and draft this kid. People are starting to see the playoff tape now, and like this is what I was watching when I was talking about Casper a couple of weeks ago, uh, before we had him on the show. Was like he played so well in the playoffs that that he needed to be a mid round, like a mid first round pick. And I think that you know, some people might have just been catching up on that over the past couple of weeks here, but they're starting to see how good he actually played in the uh, in the SHL playoffs. I think he's rising quite a bit. Uh, as well so just some rising and and dropping first round picks i think i just wanted to mention real quick there uh as long as you're okay with that might do some of that uh, as we get uh, closer to the draft here but casper he might just end up being the best player available at uh at 15 for the canucks and a lot more people are starting to think he's going to be a center next year uh Mm. with rugla as well which is huge like he 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 was 17 years old this year playing the wing. I talked to his coach. His coach wants him to play center. He wants to play center. So we might see that uh, even as soon as next year in the SHL. And I've said it a lot. I don't think Casper's playing any more than one year, one more year in the SHL. Mm -hmm. I think he's coming right over after that. You talk about Slavkovsky. The Canucks asking if he could play center. You have to imagine they're asking similar
0: questions to Marco Casper. I'm
2: going to guess that they spent a lot of time with Marco Casper. He's right around that range for the Canucks.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll close it out there. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by
2: DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?